comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and uh, happy July 4th week. It's passed. We're now moving on to July 5th right now. But um, I am Jordan Wiegand. With me today is a man who is apparently stuck in the upside down, Logan Stump. How's it going, man? It's uh, it's pretty scary uh, in here. Actually, what's really funny is uh, Inter Miami and Chicago Fire are like the best team in, in the upside down. It's kind of wild in this <laughs> part of the part of the world or dimension or whatever it is. Yeah, is that where having the least amount of points is better? Yes. Uh, is yep. that how it is? And yeah, down? Gareth Bale is really good down here. Um, really <laughs> oh, likes. He'll be very good in the. Uh, oh yeah, because he's a golfer. Yeah, I was gonna say he'll be very good in the in the right side up. Um, but yeah so we are here talking uh last week we recorded on like a thursday and we had some games that night uh so we'll kind of go over those but we'll start with some news stories that we have here first one of those is that the new england revolution have signed juventus forward giacomo veroni as a designated player he's 23 years old uh, he is a striker uh, who will be replacing Adam Buxa. So uh, I'm not sure if they have an amount that they signed him for. The Buxa deal was $10 million. Okay, they signed Veroni for $3.8 million. So, hey, if he comes in and has the same sort of production, they could probably flip him again later and just keep on making that money while also being competitive. Uh any thoughts here, Logan, on the DP sign? They definitely needed somebody to replace Buxa because they've kind of been struggling. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, it, it, it's really important that they get somebody at the top of the scores. Uh, just kind of looking at the goals scored um, for the Revs, I mean, it's not like they've been awful. I mean, they're up towards the top part in the top five of the league with 29 goals that they've scored. Um, but they are going to miss Buxa a ton because he was uh, one of the guys that they relied heavily on to get goals. He led the he leads the team currently with seven goals, and Heal is in behind him with four and Gustavo Bo. But besides those two, they really need somebody up front. So I think that you know this signing um, was good for the Revs just because I think they, they've got to get somebody in. However, Jordan, we've kind of talked about this uh, in this league. It's really tough for guys to come in, especially number nines to come in 
and really perform well um, to, to start their career in MLS just because it's, I don't know if it's because it's like a different pace or if it, they, they think it's easier when they're coming over. So they think that they're just going to get goals. Uh, and then the pressure kind of builds when they don't get goals. So I don't know, but I mean, it, I guess we'll see, but um, I like the signing. If, from what I've heard, I mean, it's, uh, he's a good goal scorer. Um, how do you pronounce it? Verone, Veroni? Veroni? I took a stab at it. I have no idea if I'm right. Giacomo, that's what we'll call him. Gia. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it, it, he looks like he could be uh, a good sign for them. So I guess we'll see. Um, but again, the revs currently where they sit, they really do need to step on the gas um, because they're kind of sitting in that seventh playoff spot. But there's teams in behind them that are chasing them down. Um, and if they drop off in scoring at all, I mean, their goalkeeper's been great that they've signed um, to replace Matt Turner. But now it's a, it's a matter of can they, can they keep even par with the goals they've scored. So I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll see how see how that goes. I guess uh, it only takes a bit for people to adjust as as well. Um, let me see if I can try to find any of his stats. Um, he was uh, at Juve, not at this time. He was actually in the Austrian Bundesliga, where he scored seventeen goals in twenty five games. When he was at Juve, he was there 2019 to 2021, and he had scored no goals. He only played one game in each of those seasons, though. So it was kind of hard for him to break in at uh, at Juve. He also played at Venezia in 2018 to 2019 and scored one goal in 24 matches. But he was only 19 then. So, I mean, he's kind of had his best season ever. I think this is one of those things where they're taking a shot, seeing if it can translate here and help the team out. Hopefully they trust their scouting. I assume they do after they've had Buxa <laughs> do mm-hmm. so well for them too. Cause he's, he was up there with Karim at Yemi, uh, who's the rising gem- German international kid. That was really good. Um, that's mm-hmm. now with Dortmund. Great um, FIFA signing. He, at right. Yeah, he really is. He's one that always pops up. Like, you know, when they automatically assign you like scouts and it always, yeah, for some yeah. reason, starts with the number nine. It, it always at Yemi. It's like, okay, well, I guess I could get him if I can afford him. But a lot of times, I think I signed right him in the um, my Sunderland one in 2020. Yeah. After watching We Are uh, Sunderland Till I Die, mm-hmm. that I watched, um, <laughs> that I uh, that I signed him in my Sunderland career, and he was tearing it up. Yeah, Great. I thought you were gonna go. Um, we are Sunderland, and then uh, LAFC till I die. I yeah, that's what. That. Yeah, I was really throwing myself. <laughs> off. But yeah, I guess we'll we'll see how it goes. Um. Okay. Uh, one thing I want to talk about as well before we get going, we have two more news items. Really, Tyler Adams is set to join the English Premier League Leeds United. Uh, So this is going to be for $24 million, American dollars, from Leipzig to Leeds. Um, He's supposed to take his medical, I think, today is what originally was reported. But uh, that gets Red Bulls an additional $8 million from their sell-on clause from 2018. So good deal for Red Bull. (laughs) Uh, Leeds is really helping out the... um, the pockets of the MLS clubs here because Aronson helped uh, get Philly some more money 
with his sell-on clause, and so did uh, so did this one here. So that's going to be probably the norm, I think, going forward, is getting sell-on clauses on all these young players because it's going to just reap so many more rewards for the clubs over here. That means Leeds has Jack Harrison, uh, Aronson, Tyler Adams, and Jesse Marsh. Harrison, not an American, but played, you know, for NYCFC for a good chunk of time and played college soccer here in America. So the Aaronson thing was already thing was already a thing before Aaron, uh, before Marsh was hired. You know, they were already talking that up for a bit. But uh, I think optically, this doesn't look good for like English fans. They're like, oh, he's bringing in another American. But we have to specify Aaronson was already kind of a thing before Marsh got hired. And I think Tyler Adams can fill a role here. Everybody p- puts this as he's replacing Calvin Phillips, but I don't see it that way. You know, they're gonna they're signing multiple players to replace him. They're not gonna rely on one guy. And I've seen a lot of people just down on Tyler Adams right now, Logan. All of US Twitter is like really ripping this move. Um that I see saying this is gonna be Jesse Marsh's downfall. Uh, is relying too much on Tyler Adams everywhere he goes. And I just don't get that thought process because I think, if anything, he probably learned that he can't play him every game. I assume he won't play every game. But I I don't know. I think Tyler Adams can get better here. I mean, he's still young. All All of these U.S. players are still so young that I'm not too concerned about this move uh, for Tyler Adams. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, I mean, I get people doubting Americans still. Like, I, I still get that idea um, over in Europe because they, I mean, for so long, I will admit that America was not the bright spot of soccer, but they got so much young talent now. And the U.S. men's national team Twitter, that's all over Tyler Adams. Um, I think they forget just how instrumental Tyler Adams is to the U.S. men's national team. Because they, there, there was a time there where he was hurt, and without he and McKinney, I mean, this team looks like a shell of itself. Tyler Adams is, I won't say he's the best U.S. men's national team player, but he sure is on top of the list. Uh, if I was going to pick three guys, it's Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, and Tyler Adams. Like, I'm picking those three. Serginio Dest is up there as well. Like, these are really special players. So I don't really – I don't know. I don't know if I get the whole – Tyler Adams hatred like I don't understand where that comes from um I've always been impressed with Tyler Tyler's 23 um he's joining Leeds at a time when Leeds really needs some young depth um I think part of their problems with Leeds was last year that they just didn't have the fire I think if you got a guy like Tyler Adams uh, and Brennan Aronson uh playing alongside some of these Premier League guys that they're going to rise to the occasion. I think this helps us tremendously going forward in the World Cup because these two guys are going to be facing World Cup talent uh, day in and day out, where I think in the Austrian leagues, um, I'm not really sure they're getting that. Like, I'm not sure they're getting, um, you know, the the kind of talent that you would normally see. Well, Tyler was in Germany, but he wasn't playing enough at the end, you know, because you really wouldn't. But even in Bundesliga, I mean, you're playing – I mean, that league's turned into, unless you're playing Dortmund or Bayern, you're not really playing top-level talent anymore. You're playing pretty mediocre players who maybe there's some players on there that are some of the smaller nations. But you bring them to Prem, I mean, hell, Leeds is facing Chelsea one day, 
you know, United the next day, uh, City the following week. So it's like you're playing world-class talent, um, and it's the best league in the world. So why are you – I don't know. I, don't, I just don't get why people are upset about it. And then I heard some people saying, why did he stoop to Leeds? Leeds is bad. They're going to get relegated. I'm like, <laughs> that's not the point. Like, you sign players to get better, and I think <clears throat> Calvin Phillips is a really good player. But if you're signing – Tyler Adams, and he kind of steps into a similar role. I mean, I know he's not the same, but um, and he actually does a lot, I think, a lot of things differently that Calvin doesn't do. Um, but I don't know. I, I hate U.S. Men's National Team Twitter sometimes just because it's so it's so negative. Like, I, I just don't get – are we ever going to be happy as a nation with a soccer club? I just don't feel like it's going to be the case. I don't know. I do want to actually cover this too. This just happened an hour ago. I totally missed it till now. Uh, TFC are trading Pozuelo to Inter Miami, and TFC are going to be signing Federico Bernadeschi from Juventus on a free transfer. What? <laughs> yeah. Really? Because they were talking about Pozuelo coming back, and like this team could really take off. Well, I guess wow. they were not taking off, so it's time to <laughs> press plan plan B here. I mean, he hasn't been the player he was that no, you know he's been hurt. He, you know, that that first what year in like what 2020, 2021, whatever it was. I don't even know when it was anymore. Mm-hmm. But let's see his stats. So he'd been with Toronto okay, twenty nineteen. All right. 12 goals, 7 assists, 9 goals, 9 assists in 2020, 1 goal, 4 assists last year, 4 goals, 4 assists this year. So pretty much sums it up, I think, for him. His XG is going down per 90. Yeah. So now, again, that could just be a Toronto issue, right? I mean, I don't know. But I think the reason they've been so bad is he hasn't been as good as he was. So, see how that goes. I guess let's look up Bernadeschi's stash. So I got him right here, and they've they've written that he's really struggled. They said he was awful last year. Hit three goals. Um, he's a winger, um, so I don't that I don't really take a lot of beef with. But they said he was can, just not very it, good. He can play midfield too, is what it says yeah. here. I don't know. They, is Toronto just in the in the market of just signing everybody that was once a really good player? Like now, did you see that too, Jordan? That where they're now shopping Carlos Salcedo again? Well, like yeah, because like, he was oh, he's been awful that. for them. Yeah, <laughs> he's been really bad. But are they um, just going to collect all these really bad, hurt former players? We'll see if they're bad or hurt. I mean, he may yeah. not be cutting at Juventus anymore, but he's twenty-seven years old. While Pozuelo's <laughs> at thirty now, I don't think it's a bad swap especially it's a free transfer and you can trade uh, Pozuelo. So I think that's fine. Um, TFC have a very rich ownership group. They're, they're looking to constantly add this type of talent to it. So I'm interested by that. And also we have Bob Bradley who is – now in charge. Pozuelo wasn't one of his guys, right? He came into him being there. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think this makes a little bit more a little bit more sense for them. 
Well, there you go. That's some breaking news I didn't expect to cover here. But the other thing I want to talk about is the U.S. has won their third straight CONCACAF Under-20 championship title. And this time, with the change of the rules, they already qualified for the U-20 World Cup. And with the win over Honduras, they've punched their ticket to the 2024 Olympic Games. So last time, when we near when we started this podcast, right, it was the Mm U twenty threes that would play for this right. They've changed Concacaf had changed it, or the Olympics, whoever's in charge of this, had changed it to be the U twenty competition. And wouldn't you know it? That is what saved us. I mean, all these kids are really good, but I think having that helped. Not having. Jason Christ as the leader helped. Mikey Varis has been uh, great for this team. They were just rolling throughout this whole tournament, and I'm really excited to see in, in two years we're going to see this group of players. And I think this makes more sense because you can have them qualify for it now, and they'll be the 20-year-olds, and these will be the players that will play in that Olympics. Because they'll be 22, right? Mm -hmm. If they're 20 now or close to 20 now, they're going to be 21, 20. They're going to be 20 years old, 21, 22, building up to 23, which the Gold Cup has to – I mean, the Olympics have to be under 23 except for a few players. So I think this is really great move for it, and I'm not just saying that. Yes, I am. I'm saying it just because we actually qualified this time, the first time since 2008. I like this change a lot because – if this had been the same way the last three times, Logan, we would have qualified because we've won this tournament three straight times. So yeah. I say keep it as the U-20s, and let's keep on rolling and winning this thing and keep qualifying for Olympics. But this will be huge because we haven't been in Olympics for 14 years. By the time it gets to it, it's going to be 16 years that we have not been in an Olympic game. Stu Holden was still playing back then. He was in the group, you know, whole bunch of players that were still in that group. But what are your thoughts here on the Olympics qualification? Um, I mean, again, we, we talked about it last time when we didn't qualify. It's always important when these younger guys can qualify for important competitions because as they get older, they're the team that steps in and they're the guys that step in in behind some of these guys that have been playing for a while to really propel this U.S. men's national team forward. Um, so I know that <clears throat> with this win um, – and qualifying for the Olympics, these guys are going to get really good in-game experiences playing against really competitive, high-level talent. Um, they're going to be playing these guys. I mean, the cool thing about the U-20s, U-23s, is that these guys, you grow up playing this generation. Like, the guys they're scoring off against are the guys they'll be playing in the World Cup um, when they get older. So the more that you're able to kind of, like, gel as a team and get this young core going, um, and I know you're probably happy because the union probably had, like, I mean, they probably had to have like their smile ear to ear constantly through this con- or tournament, just because every single one of their players um, seems to be uh, guys or seem to be guys that this team relies heavily on. Um, so just building this core together and then this union team is going to have four of these really good soccer players on their team, including Paxton um, for a little bit that it, it's just, it's cool. They, I'm glad that they're getting this experience. I'm glad that things are going well because when they don't go well, then that's when we have one of these gaps in the generation where it just isn't good soccer to watch for four to eight years. Um, and you kind of make the world cup 
backwards falling into it. So it, it, it really is. It's nice to see that these younger guys are going really well. Um, and I think, I think we finally all got to see why they say Paxton is probably going to be better than Brendan. <laughs> like it just, the, the kid is just extremely talented. I think seven goals in all competition and that whole competition. So, um, got seven goals and he looked so like poised. He looked so much older than the rest of them. Um, so it'll be kind of cool watching the Aaron's and brothers uh, absolutely annihilate opponents uh, on the world stage as they do get a little bit older because they're both pretty young still. So I don't know. I, are you excited? Because it seems like all your guys are coming into, I mean, they all were aces uh, in kind of that competition. I'm excited. Uh, I mean, it's nice to see them. Here's why I'm excited. It was nice to see them actually play. Mm. Uh, Paxton, uh, you know, McGlynn, they don't get enough time at the union, right? Do you, so think while people... they, do you think Paxton and Quinn are both sold, or even Jack maybe, are all sold before they really get playing yeah, time? Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be like a Dallas situation. And that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to avoid because what I liked about, and even Brendan barely played here. I mean, like he right. did for that year and a half. Right. And then he made his name. And then just as he was getting going, he's gone. Right. What about Mark? But, he also... but him, I got to see him more. I got to yeah. see Aronson more. Paxton, Sullivan, McGlynn. I mean, McGlynn probably gets more time than, than the other two, but it's down to the way curtain plays a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and the situations, I guess we find ourselves in most of the time where they don't get as much of the, of the play time. It's frustrating to say the least, because I really want to see these kids play. And I do think, and people will say, well, don't you also want to win? I do think we can win with these kids playing, you know? It'll be frustrating if we never really get to see the fruition of this academy into the first team. I don't want it to be a Dallas situation where I can say, like a you know, where I say a, a year from now, oh, you know, Paxton played for the Union. Yeah, probably played a handful of games a year, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I want to avoid because then we're just kind of a footnote. We we yes, we develop them, right? But here, Paxton has played nine games this year, and he started one. Last year, he played 14 and started five. And he had three goals in those 13 game, in those 14 games. It won't tell me if it was any of the games he started on here. But, you know, you would expect more, right? You would expect more games, I think. At this point, he's 18 years old now. This is around the time Brendan was breaking through. But we seem hesitant to really play some of these some of these kids. Um, Quinn Sullivan, he's only 17, but he's played two games. No, no, sorry. He played. Where's the games at? It doesn't show his games on here. Oh, that's shooting. Okay, here we go. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong stats. Now, this makes more sense. Sullivan played 21 games last year, but only started four. 538 minutes. 
So even then, when he's coming into these games, it's it's not a lot, right? 159 minutes this year, seven games played, one start. And I get it. We're, you know, the Union are second place in the East. You can't probably do more than that. But guess what? Three draws, one loss in their last five. And at times, it seems like we have nobody that can be a difference maker on this team. That's where it is a little bit more frustrating, I would say. Jack McLean, 19 games last year, seven starts. Uh, eight games this year, no starts. 140 minutes. Minutes played per 90, 1.6. So getting in for a minute and a half, right? That That is the frustrating thing I would say the most about this. And I don't know. I'm, I look. I'm not very confident in the union this year. I thought I was going to be because, you know, we signed Ura, who comes in and hasn't been that effective. He also had some injury issues, I think. Where we're, you know, the the front the front three we had to put out this weekend, or the front uh, two, I guess it was that we had to put out this uh, weekend, was very odd. And guess what? Nil-nil draw against the crew. And the Union had 35% possession. But their lineup started with a, uh, as it's loading here, Corey Burke up top with Chris Donovan up top because we had some players not available. Ura was on the bench. Cole Turner made the bench. He barely plays. Carranza was on the bench. So that was a weird starting two, right? <laughs> I don't know. It, it's right now, going back to the kids, it's nice to say, oh, those are all union products. But I don't know if there's so much products right now because they barely play for the union. I'm sure these players would have been pretty good without the union you know we've been hearing stuff about brendan and and paxton you know paxton being better than brendan for years now before that really before he even really stepped on to the usl team but again they've been involved with the academy for so long so it's at this point of how much can you claim you actually did and how much could you claim you didn't do i'm sure they did stuff that helped them but i'm sure these kids would have been pretty good without them it's just time for them to actually start playing on the team that their club is at right i don't, I don't know i i want i'm curious to get your thoughts on it because you know you, you were speaking pretty rosy about it and stuff but I would guess, wouldn't you be frustrated too if uh, you can – and I know these kids probably can't do what they did at the U-20s against the MLS teams, right? But I think that they can provide more than they are providing, which is 500 minutes a season. That's it. 500 minutes a season right now for all three of those names I listed. I mean, I would be frustrated, especially when they step onto another stage and a pretty big stage and they perform like this. And they were clearly, I mean, 
three, at least three of them were top talent. Uh, I mean, players in this region. I mean, I think McGlynn, I think Sullivan, I think Paxton all end up being really good players. Um, so you look at them and you wonder, and it's really strange to me because Jim Curtin, and I know they're a little younger than the, than the two I'm about to name, um, but it's not like they're that much younger. Um, Nathaniel or Nathan Harrell, Harrell, I think. That's Harrell, yeah. Harrell. And then you got Leon Flock, who are both 21 years old. And I know the rest of them are only three years younger, but like three years in soccer is not a ton. And especially in this league, when a lot of talent has stepped up in this league when they've turned 18. Like once you hit 18, that's when I feel that managers are more likely to play you. I think part of the problem is they do have midfielders um, and position players that are kind of in front of these guys that they can't really do much with because they are veteran leaders on this team. But, but even like, I mean, I was looking, I was seriously was shocked by the amount of games that, uh, that Paxton had played. Cause I thought he had played less. Um, he's gotten in nine, but then again, if you look at his minutes, he's only got 190 and it seems like it's usually whenever these games are far out of reach that he comes into play. Like, Union might be up 2-1 and they feel like, you know, it's death and they feel like they can hold on and at least they get the point. Or it might be like 3-0 and Union's losing um, that they throw Paxton on. But I don't know, like this seems like the perfect position to be able to throw guys on and go, okay, let's see what they've got because I think, you know, they've got a lot of talent. I think I'd like to see what kind of talent they have. But it does, Jordan, unfortunately, it kind of seems like the Union are kind of in this position where um, – they're going to get stuck with these really talented three guys on their hands and they might play half a season or a year and then they're gone. And we never get to see them truly play well in MLS. And I know that's the league kind of MLS has become and, and is wanting to be right now, but it does suck that these guys are going to go on to be world talents, I think. And we're going to be sitting here going, Hey, remember when they were kind of like on the union for some reason? <laughs> Paxton will be gone by later this year or yeah, January. The fall. I'm calling I mean, it, yeah, yeah, the winter. <clears throat> and maybe some of the other ones too. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we are back from our break and we'll get into the MLS action now. So uh, we had some games on Thursday. Austin beat Charlotte 1 0. Red Bulls beat Atlanta 2 1. And that was a um, Atlanta had a lead here in that game it was uh 75th minute joseph martinez and then lewis morgan in the 83rd minute and then a goal in the 89th minute to seal it for the red bulls at home against atlanta saturday we had only two games toronto and seattle seattle beat toronto 2-0 vancouver and lafc vancouver won 1-0 um Sunday was where most of the action took place. NYCFC draw with Atlanta 2-2. Columbus and Philly draw nil-nil. Probably all I talked about that one. We don't need to explore that. The Revs, <laughs> Cincinnati 2-2. Kansas City lose to the Red Bulls 1-0 at Sporting Kansas City. Minnesota beat RSL 3-2. They come back from uh RSL almost came back. That's what I meant to say. RSL almost came back here as they were down 3-0, and then Savarino and Julio scored to make it 3-2, giving giving them like 14 minutes to try to find an equalizer. Couldn't do it. 
Houston loses to Charlotte 2-1. Nashville and Portland draw 2-2. San Jose and Chicago. San Jose win that one 2-1. Then on Monday, we had some more action and a lot of goals scored. DC beat Orlando 5-3 in a pretty embarrassing display for Orlando at home. Uh, Austin... Uh, come from behind 2-0 to win 3-2. to two. Logan's repping the Austin shirt right now. Dallas and Miami draw 1-1, and LA Galaxy beat Montreal, who were top of the East at one point, 4-0. We have some games coming up on Friday that we'll talk about as well. But yeah, where do we want to start here? Currently, the East has the Red Bulls up top. 32 points, 19 games played. Phillies in second with 18 games played, but 30 points. Game in hand, if they win that, they are top of the East again. Montreal in third with 29 points after 18. NYCFC in fourth place with 29 points after 17 games. They've had one win in their last five. is against Minnesota United on May 28th. Cincinnati in fifth. Orlando dropping to sixth and now having a negative goal differential. The Revs sit 7th with uh, 25 points, which is even with Orlando and Cincinnati, all of them with 25 points. Over in the West, LAFC are still top. They have two points higher than Austin right now. Same amount of games played, 36 points to Austin's 34 RSL dipped to third. They have uh, 29 points. LA Galaxy in fourth. They have 27 points, but a game in hand. Dallas in fifth with 27 points. Nashville in sixth with 27. And Seattle in uh, in seventh place with 17 games played, 26 points. Whew. Okay. Uh, that's your playoff spots as it currently sits for the East and the West. Any surprises so far, Logan, with the weekend or how things are shaking out so far? I mean, we'd all be <clears throat> crazy not to talk about Cincinnati uh, sitting in the fifth spot now that Orlando's dropped some points and now they're in behind uh, based on goal differential. No. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and Orlando hasn't been good. Uh, the Rebs haven't been great either. So, I mean, if Cincinnati keeps playing like they did, they have been, especially at home, um, starting to play a lot better at home and, and grabbing points where I think a lot of people thought they could really use some improvement. I think their last win uh, at home was the first win um, in a really long time at home. So um, Cincinnati is a team, I think, that, that is going to catch a lot of eyes, especially sitting there in the fifth spot in the East. And I think, you know, the top four spot isn't too far off for this club. Uh, especially with Montreal kind of scuffling a little bit more so than they had been. Um, they're still sitting third, but have lost two the last four. Um, NYCFC, since Ronnie Dyla has left, uh, has not been as good. And I guess we could talk about them too. But, I mean, the, the teams that sit in front of Cincinnati, I mean, they I feel like they're very easy to get to uh, if you are Cincinnati and if you can play well. Um, but again, I think still people are hesitant just because they are Cincinnati and because of their history. So they're kind of like, oh, I mean, this is great. Like we're we're overperforming any kind of expectations. Um, but here we sit fifth and it's currently July, um, just switched over to July and we're pretty close to getting up on um, the fall. So, I mean, it, it 
if, if you get to, I mean, I'd say by September, if you're in a spot like this with Cincinnati, you can pretty much write in their first playoff appearance, uh, which would be huge for this fan base. We've talked about that with the Weigel twins um, from Cincy Soccer Talk. And I mean, this is, it's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and I think they've got, I think they've got even more steps to take forward. So I'm excited to kind of see where they head over the next couple of weeks, just to kind of see how they get there. But um, a pretty interesting situation there uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, I think Brenner is being rumored that he's going to be uh, sold off onto another club. So maybe they'll have some money to spend as the MLS transfer deadline starts to, or the window um, starts to kind of open and maybe Cincinnati can make a move for somebody special um, and maybe pluck somebody off one of these teams that, might not be performing as well. So be pretty interesting uh, to kind of watch the Cincinnati situation, but that's, that's the one that I, that really caught my eye, I guess, um, not so much over the weekend, but um, you know, over the last couple of weeks, they've just been sitting there and have kind of maintained that positioning. Yeah. Uh, I guess the surprise would be for me, Orlando dropping this much. I mean, DC should be a layup at home. Five to three. Right. <clears throat> Especially to give up that many goals and still lose. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> and, and to give up two in the first eight minutes. Right. Taxi Fountas had two goals in the first eight minutes of the game. I literally turned it on eight minutes late and I was like, holy crap, it's two nil already. Mm-hmm. Then Fountas gets his hat trick in the 51st minute. Kamarni Smith gets the first uh, MLS goal in the 74th. Nigel uh, Nigel Roberta in the 90 plus six to seal it. But Orlando made it a little closer than it appeared, right? Facundo Torres in the 57th, Urkan Kara in the 66th, Pato in the 80th. Uh, that at one point it was four to three before they were able to seal the deal. It's just it shouldn't have gotten to that that point mm-hmm. at all um i don't know i don't know what to do about uh that if you're a uh orlando fan 2.5 xg to 1.9 for dc and they still put five in mm-hmm. that seems crazy dc who if we're talking about it again have are sitting in 13th place in the east and their last win before this do you know when the last win they had before this was logan i want to guess it was in april may 7th wow may 7th against the dynamo yeah their last away win (laughs) week two march 5th against fc cincinnati not good if you're Orlando. Orlando though like it, it's defense they suck at home against yeah. bad teams right and good teams they just suck at home they shouldn't play here anymore <laughs> relocate i don't know split the games go to canada i don't know and they have the union coming up here on the eighth well that'd be good that'd be fun that's dc sorry uh orlando has well now i'm worried as an uh, as a philly fan having to go up against DC Uh, who does Orlando have next Orlando has Inter Miami Inter Miami at home at Exploria too you're gonna lose (laughs) you're gonna lose so bad luckily luckily though if you look ahead to our schedule the three of the following after that game three of the four 
games that we play are actually away. And of course we play the union at home coming up soon. So can um, Pozuelo play for Miami this week? If so, you're going to have some problems. I think so. Yeah. I think that, yeah, it's fitting. Um, Jeez, that is that is terrible. I would say another surprise, Union, I don't know if this really surprised, Union being held to a draw with the crew. The crew have kind of been on a good streak. They have not lost in their last five, but they still sit 10th place. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, that's only three points out of a playoff spot, and they have a game in hand of the Revs and Orlando. I mean, literally, you could drop out of a playoff spot and the crew could take it. Miami can take it. They're three points back of Orlando with a game in hand. That's scary. Um, They've been playing well, at least better than they usually do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. The East is a mess right now. There's just not really like a, you know, like a really good team in the East. There's just like... I'd argue that Montreal's yeah. been the most consistent over the board because Red Bull have really tanked. Even though they're sitting first, well, they've really not played Depends what you well. mean by consistent, because the Union yeah. have only lost two games. Yeah. They just draw a lot. So I guess you could yeah. say that's consistent. I guess with Montreal, I think it's you either win or lose with Montreal. There's no draw. I mean, they've drawn twice. So they're. I guess they're a roller coaster, but they're, they seem to be in the playoff hunt more so than the other. Like, the other teams kind of just have this, like, tank mentality almost where it's like okay red bull when they're bad or bad um i don't know i'm just kind of talking at this point but well no i mean you're right the teams that are on the edge are cincy orlando and new england here's cincy seven four and seven seven wins four draws seven losses orlando seven four seven new england six wins seven draws five losses like they're all kind of in that same range Mm -hmm. Now, NYCFC have only had four losses, but they have a lot more draws. They have five draws, eight wins. Um, but again, they have a game in hand. They can theoretically jump up to where the Red Bulls are. Uh, and Red Bulls have two games more than NYCFC. But NYCFC's last five is a draw, a loss, two draws, and they had one win back on May 28th. So they're having some problems there nycfc and who knows castellanos could be gone soon i'm still shocked he's with him like I, i'm there must be something like they must they must either be asking for a ton for him thinking they'll get a ton for him or he just isn't appealing to something which i find shocking i mean this guy seems like all he does is score yeah 10 goals which is the most in the east Though Taxi Fountas already at nine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thank you, Orlando, for DC fans. <laughs> um, moving from six to nine pretty quickly there. Great name, though. Yep. I know. They always do the taxi emoji whenever <laughs> they post their videos. I do want to say, I don't know what was going on with the uh, the DC feed of this. Yeah. It was awful. I don't mean that disrespect to like Dave Johnson or anything. I love Dave Johnson. But what I mean is... They had no sound from the stadium at all. Yeah. You couldn't hear fans. You couldn't hear shots like the the ball. You couldn't hear players. And I was trying to think to myself, okay, well, I couldn't hear fans or anything. Like, is that a problem? Because we went through all of 2020 like without a lot of fans. 
but I think what really killed it is I had no atmosphere sound. There was no, mm-hmm. there was no players yelling. There was no ref whistles. There was no ball. Like it was, and it was echoey on the announcers, mm-hmm. probably because they don't have that other, that other thing filtering it out. But mm-hmm. I'm not sure what happened there. It had to be did, the field mic. Did Orlando have the same issue on their side? So I was watching. I wasn't even watching Orlando's feed. I because I okay. was interested to see the DC feed, but. Um, like everything I had seen, no, like they didn't have that issue on their broadcast because I didn't see anybody. That's on really weird. Orlando. So somebody did say that it, there could be a, a chance, maybe that uh, their audio just wasn't working with technical difficulties. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Their side, like DC side, because they said if, they said because usually teams will share. Like sometimes the teams will share the field mic sound because they there's no purpose in putting two field mics on. So like you're sharing the same audio sometimes. Yeah. As, yeah. You know, I'm assuming field. they were calling it off a monitor. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and what's really strange is it was never fixed because usually Twitter goes a buzz and they're like, what the hell's wrong with this? But I know I got four likes on my tweet about it. I was like, nobody else is having this problem <laughs> right. right now. But a lot of people were watching the U.S. women's. Uh, they were yeah. watching you know, other stuff. Fireworks. Yeah. I was like, geez, this game, it was really tough to watch. I did switch over to the U.S. women's because I was like, yeah. I cannot stand watching silent. Uh, you can hear the announcers, but I mean, like, it just sounded really weird. I had to turn it off. I, I after the halftime, I was like, I, I'm kind of done with this one. Plus, it was I, already two 0 I was like, yeah. <laughs> Orlando's done already. Yeah, and I could say this. I guess I don't really care much for the Orlando broadcast crew. Um, so that's typically you can say it now. Yeah, they're getting rid of them. Yeah, so that's true. I don't typically care for. We're going to I, Apple. I, okay, so Taylor Twelman and them talked about this too, and they were talking about the fact that like that a lot of teams do sound very amateur in the production quality of their broadcast. I think Orlando city is one of those clubs. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Like, I like the guy. Like, he's a very nice guy. I think it's Evan Weston. Um, they do a good job, but like they're, they're very much studio guys. They're not, they are not play by play. It's just, I don't know something about them. That I just as a fan, I don't really care to listen to it. So Typically, I'll turn on, which just sounds crazy, but I'll turn on the, the opposing team uh, broadcast if I can. So, sorry, I don't mean to offend anybody in Orlando City's club, but it's not my cup of tea. That's all right. Like I said, they're, they're probably uh, Apple sort that issue out, I guess. Yeah. Uh, looking at the West, let's look at the West while we're sitting here. Uh, LAFC, like I said, are top. Uh, I guess my surprise is that Austin is caught up so quickly. Um, but really, uh, they've had two straight wins compared to LA just lost against Vancouver on the second. So that narrows down. Um, that narrows that down. Okay, I can ask you this. Like, we both agree, right, that Austin, what Austin has done and the ownership group has done and Josh Wolf has done uh, is probably the most impressive thing a team has done in their second year as a, well, I guess LAFC, but like LAFC and well, Atlanta, I don't really like they're, they're Atlanta, so Atlanta won it in their second yeah, year. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like Austin, like from where they started, because I, I don't know where, I don't even know where Atlanta began their first year, um, how that went. Um, I feel like with Austin, I mean, Austin was almost a wooden spoon had Cincinnati not been so poor, um, mm-hmm. right? So it, it was like, 
I mean, Close, yeah. they've, been, they've been really good. I mean, they're tracking down one of the better teams that we've seen in a long time in MLS with LAFC. I mean, this team is a really good team, and they're going to get even better. And the fact that Austin's staying with them it is even more impressive. But I don't know. Like, is this – would you consider this, I guess, if if they, if they win – okay, say they win MLS Cup, Jordan. Are you more impressed with them doing it or Atlanta doing it their second year? Because I feel like Austin doesn't spend quite as much as Atlanta could. I guess I, I would be more shocked at it, at um, Austin because it would have really came out of nowhere, right? And would have, you know, a first-time coach Josh Wolf leading the team. Which, by the way, where are all the Wolf out people at? <laughs> Where'd they but, go? Right. The upside down. <clears throat> because I, I, I told people, I told people. Now, of course, you know, they, they gained some new fans last year that have never watched MLS, but I told people expansion teams are tough. They're going to be okay. Like, just, you're going to give them, you're going to have to give them this season, right? The first season. He's not going to be fired at his first season. And mm-hmm. now we're seeing why, Right why he was highly touted and all that kind of stuff. He, so far, they're doing good. Now, of course, a lot of that changes from bringing in Jerusi, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who has helped the team a lot. But, I mean, that, that's just what it is, right? Um, Maxi Rudy has been great. But I just feel like yeah. their front office has done everything right. Like, I, they, they've built a huge fan base now. I mean, they had one. So uh, I might have to change my answer then. I might have to change my yeah. answer to I'd be more impressed with more impressed with Atlanta because their front office doesn't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> <laughs> anymore. So uh, I'm, I guess I'm shocked they even won and won, you know? But yeah. um, that's a joke. No, I would still be very shocked that Austin have won if they win. And can we just say, too, like, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. I was looking at the attendance record for everybody in the league, and the West, like, trounces the, like, the East in attendance records. Like, LAFC is 22,000, um, and one, two, three. There's only three teams that have a better attendance record than them in the East. And one of them is an expansion club. But if you talk about 20,000, there's tons of teams in the West that are over 20,000 in attendance. LAFC, Austin, Real Salt Lake, Galaxy, Nashville, Seattle, Portland. Like, people show out in the West. This is a Western league. And the talent's better. Way better. It's weird. I think the owners are more serious. I think we get a lot more NFL owners in the East, and I think that's the issue. The problem. Um, a lot of the original 10 teams. Uh, 2017, Atlanta finished fourth in the in the East. Okay, so yeah, this is a this is a complete 180. Like that Austin team was awful last year until Jerusi got there. Like they were just not fun to watch. There was nothing creative about them. And now this guy's turned them into like world beaters. I mean, Rudy is. I mean, Cecilia Dominguez is gone, and Maxi Rudy. Like you talked about this too. You said that's a that's a really good signing. You really liked that signing when they made that signing. I was much more of like this guy's like the journeyman. I mean, he stepped into this starting role now, and Maxi's just completely taken over and, and 
now, I mean, they've got a front three, four that are just completely like disastrous for any defense that comes across them. I mean, Fagundes, how they turned Fagundes into one of the better players in this league. And this guy was rotting away on Bruce Arena's bench. Like this, it just seems like the wolf in forever and sign him up for many years to come because, and I still don't think this team is like, you know, it's funny. I don't think they're as talented on paper as a lot of the teams that you're going to see come across, uh, you know, in the playoffs. So I guess hats off to them. Matthew McConaughey is all right. All right. All right. <laughs> I think you'd say more than all right. If they, right. <laughs> Funny, funny thing to look at. You know what team finished third place above Atlanta in 2017? 2017? Yeah. Orlando? No. No. Chicago uh, Fire. 2017? Who did they have? 2017. Schweinsteiger finished... was gone by then, wasn't he? Mm, no, I think he stayed around for a bit. I'm interested now. I'm going to look up the Fire's 2017 roster. But to go from that to last place now is pretty rough. They've been a fall from grace, though. Like, they were really good at one point, weren't they? Well, they went from third place in 2017 in the East to 20th the next year. I mean, that's just kind of how they are. (laughs) They were 20th the year before that, too. They just kind of bounce around like that. Uh, But, yeah, they had Schweinsteiger. Nikolic. Um, Nemanja Nikolic had 24 goals. Yep, there you go. Holy crap. And David Akam had 14. Man, they had two really – holy cow. Is it Akam or Akam? David Akam. Uh, yeah, David Akam. Yeah, former uh, former Union player. Yeah. Hmm. Dax McCarty was on there still. Yeah, I mean, they had a uh, – Mahalovic. I mean, they had – they had a lot of good good players back then. Brandon Vincent. But we're not here to talk about 2017. Okay. Um back to the West. Austin, we talked about we talked about LAFC, who we're still gonna be waiting for Gareth Bale, who might play this week. I doubt he will. He's been off. He's gonna have to get fitness back up. Uh we have RSL, who I guess I cursed. I don't know. Uh, they drew nice with the crew and they lose to Minnesota now. The Galaxy get their big win, Logan, and they left no doubt. 4 0. They were able to put it away, celebrate the 4th of July with four goals, and end up in fourth place in the West. It's good for them, though. Like, we talked about it. If Chicharito wasn't scoring, it seems like they were having a hard time. But <clears throat> grab four goals. That'll that'll fix some of the issues that you have, at least mentally. Um, I feel like that's pretty good. So that's what now? Two in the game against Minnesota, four in this game against Montreal. I mean, that's six goals in the last two matches. So that's, that's a step in the right direction. Are they going to add anybody? Like, I feel like they've been awfully quiet. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I uh, like... you, would, you would hope so, right? But I don't know if they have those places to. 
look up their transfer rumors. But you know, it's good for them. Stop the free fall, right? They had a draw and a loss. Stop that. Before that, they had a win against Austin, and they had a loss against Houston before that. So kind of stop that, bounce back up. They're even on points with fifth and sixth, and they're one point above seventh of Seattle. So they really had to stop this. They have a game in hand of most teams except for Seattle. So they're doing okay there. But they really need, they really need to stop that free fall to to stay in a playoff spot. I feel, and um, you know, because you never know. Once you fall out of a playoff spot, do you have the wherewithal to get back in, to get back in it? The mentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have Dallas, who at one point were like top of the West. They've fallen all the way down to fifth. They have not won since May 28th against or against Orlando at home. Orlando's home. So there you go. There's another one. Uh, but they lose to Vancouver. They draw with Austin. They lose to LAFC. They draw with Miami. They sit 27th. But at this point, I'm thinking top, battle for the top spot in the West is LA and Austin. They're two points separating. Mm-hmm. The gap from second to third is now five points. And then from there, it's all bunched up until 10th place with Portland with 23 points, pretty much. There's four points separating fourth place to 10th in the West. And now the wooden spoon race is on with SKC now having 16 points compared to Chicago and DC who now have 17. So could be looking at Sporting KC finishing with the with the wooden spoon. Oof. And they're in like a world of hurt. Like I feel mm-hmm. I mean their team was aging. Holy boy. Now their team's I mean it it's a mess. If Johnny Russell we talked about this though. We said if Johnny Russell and Chaloe cannot produce, like we thought they were gonna be a lower <clears throat> playoff team, maybe if that was the case. If those two can't produce like they did, because we thought if they if they played any but close to the level they did last year, like this was a top playoff team in the West, still that you know Peter Vermees was a, a guy that could coach them uh, to one of those top spots. But man, this has been a disastrous year for them. Um, you lose Polito, you lose uh, the who's the striker that replaced. I forget who they brought in that they thought was going to be something special. Gotti Kinda is out, right? Yeah, Gotti Kinda was out. I think he's been out all year. <clears throat> Um, but it just seems like the injury bug, they lost a bunch of the players. They relied heavily on, um, a lot of veteran presence. And now it just seems like everything's falling apart and they just don't have a young roster anymore. Like they've got older guys. Um, you know, there's a lot of 32, 35, 32, 36, like it's a lot of older guys, uh, clogging up that system. Um, Kyrie Shelton hasn't been very good up front. He's got, did you know that he's played a thousand, almost uh, 1100 minutes, Jordan, Kyrie Shelton as a forward and he has not scored yet. Wow. Like that's how dire I feel like it's been. Shall we only four? Wow. Yeah. Four wins this year, Houston, RSL, Rapids and Nashville. Four like they draws, could be, crew, yeah. 
Dallas, NYCFC, San Jose. Every other game I loss. Like, they could be really bad for a lot of years to come. Because, like, they, they really do. I mean, if you look at their minutes played, their top minutes played, Tim Millier is 36. That's their goalkeeper. Remy Walter, 27. Um, then Johnny Russell, who's 32. The next two are relatively younger, but then you drop down and the rest of them are like 30s in the 1,000-minute marks. Roger Espinosa is almost 36. Kyrie Shelton's only 20, almost 30. Graham Zuzzi, 35. Crazy. Well, they have Montreal next. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Um, it could be very bad for them. We have how many games left? We have less than half, right? For yeah. most of these teams. Oh, yeah. And they're all um, over the mark. I think they're all above eight. They all have 18 or 19, I think, now. Yeah, so we're at half for some, and we're at more than half for others. And mm-hmm. KC is one of those that has more than half. Brutal. Uh, Rapids, I mean, after how well they were last year, they're all the way down in 12th place. They they were even getting high up at the beginning of this year, right? But mm-hmm. they've now, their last win was May 22nd against Seattle. Three losses and a draw there for the Rapids. Dynamo and Timbers kind of just hanging around a bit, right? Yeah. Houston's at 21 points. That's five points short of Seattle. There's time for them to move some stuff, but they've had two two straight losses, a win, then two straight losses. So expect a win here and then another two straight losses uh, is probably what we're looking at there. Timbers are just literally four points shy, three points shy of a playoff spot. But can they get it going? They have two games more played than most of these other teams above mm-hmm. them. I don't think it's going to happen for them this year. I, I'm going to say that 10th place right now, the Timbers, is the last place it's possible to get a playoff spot in. I'm not so sure on these Rapids, San Jose, Houston, SKC. I think those teams are just, if you look at their win-loss draws, win-loss draws in their last five, you see a lot of red mm-hmm. there. And from Timbers up, you see a lot more green, except for Minnesota. Uh, but they've had two straight wins, uh, Minnesota. Yeah, that seven spot's going to get wild, I think. I mean, Seattle has started mm-hmm. to play a lot better, so I think maybe even Seattle knocks down some of these. Like, I I, I do think... Yeah, they have two I games think, in hand, too, so they can jump yeah. all the way up to, like, fifth, fourth. Yeah. Because so I do think Dallas... Or Dallas... I'm combining a bunch of teams there. Um, Dallas and Nashville, uh, I, I, I think... If you're looking at it the way they've been playing, I think Seattle's in much better form. Um, and Seattle's got a crap ton of talent. Um, so I think if they start playing well, I mean, like you said, I think they could easily find them way back up challenging for this, maybe even the third spot with RSL, like not playing as well now. Like, I, I mean, you really could see the Galaxy or the uh, Seattle all the way up to that third spot. I could totally see them catching fire and, Playing it into a whole. No, the fires day. in the east. That's true. Yeah, they then they've way past the fire. 
That was good. Uh, All right, let's. You know what? Let's jump over. We're, we're kind of running tight on time here. Let's jump over right. to the game of the week. It's time for the match of the week preview. Match of the week preview is where we tell you about the games coming up, and we tell you which one to watch. Saturday is uh, a pretty full slate. There's no Sunday games. There's, uh, I think, one Friday game. Oh uh, no, Friday. three Friday games. So we have Philadelphia Union versus DC at 7.30 on ESPN this Friday. We have LAFC versus LA Galaxy and El Trafico on Friday on ESPN. Then we have Vancouver, Minnesota at 10.30 on ESPN+. Then on Saturday, we have NYCFC versus New England Revs at 1 o'clock on Unimas, TUDN, and Twitter. Seattle and Portland at 4.30 on Fox. Big Fox. Atlanta and Austin at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Charlotte and Nashville facing off for the first time on FS1. Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls at 7.30. Montreal, KC at 7.30. Toronto, San Jose at 7.30. Uh, Chicago and Columbus at 8. Orlando, Miami at 8. Houston versus Dallas at 8.30. And RSL Colorado at 10 o'clock. So what would you say, Logan? I would say probably match the week for me. Should I take the easy one? Yes, I will. Uh, El Trafico, LA Galaxy, LAFC. Must watch. Maybe we'll see Bale. Probably not. Maybe we'll see Chiellini. Probably more likely. And um, I don't know. I think that that is going to be really good. Top of the... East versus uh, top of the West, sorry, versus fourth place in the West. Can LA keep? Well, I sorry, I just shortened LA for both of them. Should, can the Galaxy keep their momentum? Will LAFC rebound from a loss? It's all there. Um, it is all there. Let me find their head to head real quick because I love that stat. Um, let me find that real quickly. A lot of good rivalries this week. Like the the bottom interstate or it's rivalry. city rivalries. Yeah. yeah. Like I really like that they do this. Because Portland, like <laughs> it's weird. Portland and Seattle are playing and neither of us are gonna pick that game. So that's pretty wild. Interesting. That was my second option if uh, was it? Yeah. If if I wasn't going to be mean and, and take this one. Mm. Head to head, seven wins for the Galaxy, five draws, and three wins for the LAFC. They last won. Oh my goodness, when did LAFC win these? 2020, LAFC wins six to two. And 2019, they win five to three. Something tells me LAFC can probably win this year. We'll find out. But, uh, Logan, your game or match of the week. Yeah, I'm going a weird one here. Um, I'm going to go with FC Cincinnati versus Red Bull. Um, Red Bulls have won four uh, against them. Draw, they've drawn once, um, on, and Red Bull have only lost twice to Cincinnati. Um, big thing here uh, to watch, obviously, I think is – I didn't know this. Cincinnati is, like, the fifth worst defense, which makes sense. Like, they're, they're just not a good – they weren't a good defense at all last year. Uh, I think the worst historically. Um, and uh, Cincinnati still continues to struggle defensively. However, 
that being said, they do score a lot, Cincinnati. So uh, that'll be interesting to watch because they, they, they've really got some good guys up front, uh, guys to watch, Lucho Acosta. Um, and then you've also got uh, Brandon Vasquez. Uh, both of them have been a little bit quieter, um, but Cincinnati is hung in there. They're in the fifth spot. Red Bull sit first in the east. So this could be a really good matchup. I think uh, it's at West End. So Cincinnati, while not great at home, um, hardly ever win there. Um, I still think it'll be a lot of fun because I think this might be the time, Jordan, where, where Cincinnati beats a, a top East team and we look at them and go, okay, like I think you could be a pretty serious contender. Again, they're going to have to short the defense. I'm not sure it's all there, so they're really going to have to score some goals here. But they tend to score pretty well, I think, at West End. So um, it's just a matter of can they stop guys from scoring on their end. So um, it should be a pretty interesting matchup. Interested to see how Red Bull do. Uh, Red Bull – I mean, seriously, Jordan, I think the East is up for grabs. And if somebody was willing to grab it, I think right now it could be Red Bulls. Um, So we'll see if they can actually grab that top spot and wrangle it. Uh, Head-to-head, Red Bulls have four wins. Mm. Cincinnati has two. Each one has a draw, obviously. And uh, four losses for Cincy and two losses for the Red Bulls. Cincinnati has scored five goals while Red Bull have scored seven since their first meeting in 2019. I'll pick a matchup. But Cascadia Cup, too. Like, if you really are interested in watching Seattle and Portland play, uh, I guess fighting for a playoff spot is most accurate for that uh, game. Well, you know, it is rivalry week, Mm -hmm. or I think that's what they're aiming for here. So you, you get some of these, right? Philly and DC is sometimes seen as a rivalry, right? LA versus LA. Uh, we get Seattle, Portland. We get Boston, Charlotte, Nashville, which is they're trying to push that as a rivalry. Yeah. And we get um, Orlando, Orlando, Miami, Miami. Yeah. Houston, Dallas. And then we get the Rocky Mountain Cup, which is RSL, Colorado. Boston, New York, NYCFC versus the Revs. Yeah, I don't know if that's a big one, though. But it, at this point, I would Boston, start saying NYCFC, Red Bulls, or NYCFC Union because yeah. the NYCFC Union games are getting real chippy now. So <laughs> that's what I was I'm surprised Crew and uh, Cincy are playing this week instead. And then Red Bull and, like yeah, you said, I, I don't like Because they, they do another rivalry week later on, I think. Yeah. So they'll, they'll, they'll put those into um, that's when they'll do it. I almost pressed the wrong song because I think they changed where it's located on here. Those jerks. But that'll wrap us up here. So we got tons of games coming at you this weekend. It'll be nice next year when they're all on the same days, Wednesdays and Saturdays. Really be able to keep track of that a lot better. Uh, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash Stateside Show, or email us statesideshow at gmail.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes and now also on Spotify. Hope everyone has a great rest of their week, and we'll catch you next time breaking down some of these rivalry matches. Wolf in. Wolf in. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. 
We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.